But, judging by the amount of tyre smoke in the air, he suspected he could add four bald tyres to the aggravated burglary charge. He'd left his mobile for Ratty, in case there was a problem, but Ratty was already gone, and Goodhue's phone lay unattended on top of the wall. He rang D.I. Marks. Marks answered, saying, "'It's your day off!' "'Sorry, just how it worked out, sir. Didn't have time to call it in.' Marks didn't acknowledge the excuse, and then, in the background, Goodhue could hear him speaking to Kincaid on the radio. Marks was instructing him to bring his team over to join Goodhue. Then Marks was back. Kincaid's not happy, but I'm sure you'll have worked that out. Stay there till Kincaid relieves you, then go home, and report to me in the morning. On reflection, Marks didn't sound too happy either, but by morning, Goodhue suspected that his boss would be more pleased to have Roy Kelvin off the streets than displeased about having one extra officer turning up uninvited. Once relieved, Goodhue walked homewards, stopping at University Grocers in Magdalen Street for a can of Coke and a copy of the Cambridge News. Roy Kelvin's arrest would provide tomorrow's headline, but for today, he was happy to just sit in the sun on Parker's Peace and catch up on any other local news. As Goodhue sat reading on Parker's piece, the same hot sun was scorching the wide tarmac that ran along Carlton Way. Like much of Cambridge, the street was totally flat. Regularly spaced trees had been planted when the houses were built half a century ago, but they had still not grown sufficiently to provide any decent shade. True, there was shade in the bus stop, but its metal roof and frame caused the air to be intensely hot, and even the broken windows refused to let a draught through. Joey McCarthy knew these things. In fact, he reckoned he still knew everything there was to know about hot summers on the Arbury estate, though it was a long time since he'd lived there. A long time, too, since his natural aptitude for anything connected with a computer had first opened the door to the possibility of a proper career. Not that he'd wanted one, but it had taken only a few short contract assignments to show him how easily the application of skills he cultivated on his home PC, combined with tidy dress and the kind of bullshit he usually reserved for visits to his grandmother, could be converted into actual currency. Real cash. So he'd peeled away all the unwanted layers of his former life. He'd thrown away the idea that if you didn't want the cheap replica— You had to nick the real one, and if you couldn't nick it, you couldn't have it. He had broken off contact with most of his former friends, kept contact with his own family to a minimum. They didn't seem surprised by his lack of interest in them, but their expectations of anything in life had never been that high. Joey had rented a large apartment, halfway between the Cineworld multiplex and the train station. It came with private parking, and shortly afterwards he had filled that space with a black Audi. It was two years old, but top of the range. Of all the layers he'd stripped away, one he had never quite managed to dispense with was Arbury itself, the Carlton Arms in particular. The best pint is always the one in your first local, or so the landlord said. But Joey knew, and admitted only to himself, that his real reason for going back there was to measure the ever-widening gulf between his success in life 
and the mediocre existence that he'd nearly been condemned to. He loved the way the regulars pretended not to notice his car as it swung into the car park. He accepted each nod of greeting as he strode into the bar, knowing that, behind their brief smiles, they felt the same sort of envy that he'd grown up feeling every day of his teenage years. He guessed that they looked at him with contempt. He knew exactly why, knew what it felt like to be on their side of the fence, and felt proud that he'd left them behind. Joey left two hours later, by which time the only remaining punters were male and too absorbed in some European football game to pay any attention to his leaving. Cheers, mate, he threw over his shoulder in the direction of the landlord. If he got a reply, he didn't hear it. He'd parked halfway across the car park under the branches of a cherry tree where he hoped the car would catch plenty.